right, guys, we are back again, continuing our teaching in the book of Revelation. Now, the last time we were here in chapter four, we were looking at the events that follow after the seven churches. That is in particular, as we would understand it, these are the events that will take place after the church age has completed. That is the rapture of the church. And so we were taken as John was in an invitation into heaven. And there he saw a glorious theme that is of the glorious God himself. And it was God the Father seated on a glorious throne and he was surrounded by four cherubim. And they were very unique creatures that were four in number and very strange as we would particularly see them in today's concept of angelic beings. But nevertheless, these were four living creatures as they are called in the book of Revelation and around, and these were near the throne of God and surrounding these were the 24 elders, which would be symbolic of representatives of humanity. And most likely it would be representative of the church itself. But nevertheless, these were 24 men symbolic of the representation that King David established with the Levitical order. That is the 24 orders of priests in the Levitical system. But nevertheless, representation of men who were worshiping God. And all of these, the, the four angels, the four uh, creatures, as they were called in Revelation, and the 24 elders were all involved in praise and worship of God the Father who was seated on the throne. But what you have to remember is this, Revelation 4 and 5 is basically, I want to use the term interlude, but basically what it does is this, it prepares us for the revelation of things to come. So the key to understanding it is the book. And we're not introduced to the book at this time, but we will be in chapter five. The key is understanding the book, the book of the scroll that's talked about in chapter five is nothing more than the revelations of God's judgment upon the world for what we call the tribulation period. Okay. And so the, the, the emphasis is being placed upon the book and most notably who is able and worthy to take that particular book and reveal the contents of that book. That is the scroll of the tribulation, the revelation of God. All right, let's get into chapter five so we can talk about that particular book in detail. Chapter one, I'm sorry, five and one. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the, on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break open its seal. So now that's where we are. And that's the primary emphasis of chapters four and five. Now we know it is centered visibly, centered visibly is God the father 
on the throne, surrounded again by the four creatures, the four angelic being, and the 24 elders. All right, that, that's the center picture that we see. But the center theme of all of these things is the book. And now we are being introduced to the book, which once again is the revelations of the future judgments of God that will come upon the world during the period that we refer to as the tribulation period. And so verse number one, there is the picture in the right hand of God, the father who is seated on the throne is a book. And notice the book is written inside and out. That usually is a depiction of the numer numerous, a, a great number that that's usually idea, a great volume or a great number. And since the whole issue or picture is a revelation of judgment, so it is a, a, a great number of judgments that are to come upon the world. The reason for the writing inside and on the outside. And the book or the scroll, the word here that is used is Biblios. The scroll that is used has seven seals. That is, okay, so let me give you an idea of basically what's happening. Don't think of it in the sense of a traditional book that we see today. Consider it like a seal that is rolled up. And around those seal, around that seal, that scroll, are seven seals. The idea of what's going on is, as each is seal is broken, each, each seal is broken, there will be some particular revelation of God in that seal. And so you will have all six seals being broken. And once we get to the seventh seal, there will be basically a pause. And in the seventh seal will come the next series of events, that are called the seven trumpets of God. And then, and so from these seven trumpets are nothing more than further revelation from God. And in that seventh and last trumpet will come forth the bold judgments. And so, and that will be the final series of judgments. So if we had to encapsulate it, you have the seven seals and that's, that's the scroll. Within these seven sealed scroll are all the judgments of God for the entire seven year period of the tribulation. It is within, within that last seventh seal is the seven trumpets, seven trumpets. And within that last trumpet, the seventh trumpet judgment are the seven bowls. So, all of them, the bowls, the trumpets, and all of the seals are all encapsulated within the seven seal, this single scroll that has seven seals on it. And I hope you guys understood that. And so there is this scroll with seven seal, and then there's the voice that John hears of a strong angel that seeks a person who is worthy to open the book and break its seal. That is to receive the book and to deliver its revelation because by the opening of the seals is to disclose the revelation of God. 
and now the 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 charge goes out into the world or should I say the challenge goes to all of the world is there anyone who is worthy to take this from the hand of God and make this revelation known to John and to us all verse number 3 and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it then i began to weep began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it and so now we see john begins to gets depressed and he says that he is weeping greatly and that greek word that is used here means to weep greatly and weep continuously so here john is weeping because as if there is some search that is done in all of creation to find a creature that is worthy to open the book to take the book and even to look into the book and john said no one in heaven, in earth, or even under the earth. And when you use that particular language, heaven, earth, and under the earth, that's just simply his way of saying in all of creation. So in the created universe, no one was worthy to take this particular book. And so the response of John is continual weeping because he greatly desires to see the revelation that God is introducing to him. Continuing, verse number five. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the line that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David has overcome so as to open the book and his seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So now we have the introduction of Jesus, the Messiah. So what does he say? So as John is weeping, one of the 24 elders who were situated around this around the throne consolates john and tells him to stop weeping because there is one who is found who is worthy and able to take the scroll from the hand of god the father and begin to open the seven seals that is to give the revelation of things to come. And notice what he is described as. He is described as the lion that is from the tribe of Judah. And, th and this gives reference back once again to the prophetic names that are associated with the Messiah, the coming one. And the thing that we see here in lion, it talks about his strength or the idea of one who has power to rule. And, but the point here, from the tribe of Judah, and this takes us all the way back to the book of Genesis, when it was prophesied that the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. And this was actually given by Jacob to his 12 sons before his death, that the one who would have the rule over all should come from the tribe of Judah, and he called him Shiloh. But nevertheless, that is the idea, the tribe that he should come from. 
This is that genealogy of Judah. Then it gives the reference to the root of David. This takes us all the way back to the covenant that God made in 2 Samuel to David. Remember when David wanted to build God a house? And God was so pleased with David's request to build him a permanent house that God promised to build David an everlasting house and that one of his sons would forever rule over all of Israel and even finally over all of the world. And so here is where that reference is, that root of David, because Jesus is from the tribe of Judah an offspring or a descendant of David. And it said, this Jesus, this one has come to open the book. So therefore he is now found worthy to do these things, to take the book and make the revelation known. And so John, now notice in that introduction, it gives Jesus here as the lion of the tribe of Judah. So John in turning his expectations were to see this great and majestic lion, but instead of seeing a lion, verse number six, what does he see? All of a sudden he sees an arneon. He sees a lamb that is now standing. And it was a lamb that had the appearance of one that had just been recently sacrificed a lamb that was slain. And so now we have these two pictures of Jesus. The first picture we have is the lion. This speaks of Jesus' second coming. His what? His second coming in which he is the sovereign ruler of all. But when John saw him, verse number six, he saw a slain, a sacrificed Lamb. Now this speaks of Jesus in his first coming when Jesus came that with a human body in order that he may give that body to be sacrificed on behalf of all who express faith in him. So here we, we see Jesus as the lamb of God, that sacrifice. And that's what we're pretty much talking about now. We're putting the emphasis upon Jesus's great offering. And you got to remember, that is one of the most important things in all of scripture when it talks about the sacrifice of the Messiah. For it is God who took upon himself flesh and he offered that fleshly body as a sacrifice, a substitute in our place to satisfy the wrath of God. Uh, we call it a propitiation for our sins. So this is the greatest thing that ever could be done in all of history, okay? That God himself would subject himself to human flesh in order to be crucified on the cross. This is the pinnacle and very center of all of history itself. But nevertheless, we, we got to go on. So there is the lamb and it pictures him having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. The seven horns are always representative of power. And by the number seven, it basically indicates the completion of fullness. So here, the seven horn represents all power. And then the seven eyes, and it just told you, the seven eyes are the seven spirits of God. It speaks of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So we see that this particular lamb 
is more than just a created being. He is one who possesses some of the very innate powers of God himself. God by nature is all powerful and God by nature sees all and knows all. And this is what is being indicated by the seven eyes and the seven spirits of God. So even in Jesus now, what we are seeing is that the lamb of God, although made flesh for the purpose of offering a body on our behalf, nevertheless is completely Almighty God, one having what? Seven horns, all power, seven eyes, seeing and knowing all things, all knowledge. Okay. So nevertheless, those are some of the very uh, uh, points, qualifications, or should I say it that way, about God himself. All right. All right. So let's continue. And so he took that book out of the right hand of God the one who sat on the throne. In other words, now we know who it is who is worthy. Verse eight, when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break his seals for you were slain and purchase for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. So once the lamb, that is Jesus, takes the book from God's hand, it begins praise in heaven in the throne room of God. And we see praise by the four living creatures and the 24 elders falling down in praise and worship of the lamb. Now, what you have to see in verse number eight is that this particular praise, and it's, and it's a wonderful thing in chapter four. Okay, in, okay, let me slow it down. In chapter four, there is only the person of God that is on the throne at that time. You got God and the four living creatures, and the four living creatures with the 24 elders surrounding them. The four living creatures and those elders at times begin to give praise to God the Father. Then in chapter five, we finally see the introduction of Jesus the Messiah, the lamb and the lion from the tribe of Judah. And now we are beginning to see praise being specifically directed to Jesus himself. So here's the point. As God, the father received praises in chapter four, we also see Jesus himself is receiving like and similar praise in chapter five. What is the point? As God is the father is worthy of all praises. So is Jesus worthy of all praises. And again, what, what are we hammering home to you? In every way, as the Father is God Almighty and God in totality and completeness, so is the Lamb, Jesus, in every way, God Almighty, God in totality, and God in completeness. He's worthy of every praise 
that the father is worthy of. But let's go on back into the text and, and see. So now we see those same creatures that once were worshiping the father are now worshiping the son. And that's what we mean by, when we look in verse number eight, we see they are holding the harps. The harp is a symbol of praise and the golden bowls full of incense. And, it, and the text tells you exactly what they represent. These are the prayers of the saints. So what you see here is literal worship from the four highest orders of angels near the throne of God, as well as these representative men, elders around the throne of God. And they are worshiping the lamb, that is Jesus, with a new song. And the, and the essence of their praise is verse number nine when they say he's worthy to take the book. And notice, remember what I just told you about when Jesus offered himself, when God took upon flesh and offered that flesh on Calvary's cross as a payment for our sins so that we may be brought near the throne of God. And I told you that was the greatest thing in all of history. All history converges at one point, and that's the cross of Jesus himself. And so notice what they say. You are worthy because you have done this. What did you do? You were slain. That's the crucifixion of Jesus. That's the most important thing in all of history, the crucifixion of Jesus. You were slain, and by that offering of himself for God, what did he do? He purchased something for God. He purchased men from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation of people that we might be priest. Notice it said a priest, a kingdom of priests. So the idea is a priesthood of, of many people, a kingdom of priests to God, and that we may also have that gift from God to reign upon the earth. So what Jesus has done, he has purchased us as a gift unto God and, he, and we ourselves are a gift to the Messiah. And by that, he has given us the ability. And I think I may not be saying that the right way by saying given us the ability, but he has gifted us as a kingdom of priests and given us rule in the world to come. All right. And that is the praise that the angels, the four creatures and the elders are now giving to Jesus in the same way as the father received the praise and glory in chapter four. Continuing. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. All right, so let's finish the final scene of chapter five. 
So he says, now after that praise that we have from Jesus, there began continual praise. The praise, it, it almost exploded. And we see what John said. He said, I saw myriads and myriads. That's the idea of 10,000s upon 10,000s, or we would pretty much say it this way, innumerable. John said, I saw an innumerable host of angels join in the worship. Can you imagine what that must have looked like as John looked at the glory of that scene, what it must have sounded like, the music, the harmony, the symphony of voices, of angelic voices that was going up to God at that time in absolute praise and glory. But nevertheless, and what did he say? Notice the direction of the praise once again. Verse number 12, worthy is the lamb. Again, what? That was slain. See, you cannot remove the crucifixion of Jesus. It is everything. That's why Paul said in the book of Philippians concerning Jesus and his humiliation, his self-humiliation, and that he took upon flesh and that he offered that flesh on Calvary's cross. John, what did, what did Paul say? Because Jesus has done this at the name of Jesus, that every creature in heaven, on earth, and underneath the earth, that means simply in all of creation, at the mention, at the sound of his name, that every voice began to give praise and thanks to Jesus for all that he has done. And that's exactly what you see taking place again in verse number 12. What? Worthy is that lamb. And then notice the how they ascribe the blessing to Jesus. Did you catch it, guys? It was a sevenfold blessing ascribed to Jesus. They said what? To receive power, riches, wisdom, might or strength honor, glory, and blessing, that sevenfold ascribing of blessing to Jesus. And by that number seven, it means all praises, all blessings are due to Jesus because like God the Father, Jesus is worthy in the same wonderful way. And then it begins to say, talked about why? And every created thing in heaven, earth, under the earth, on this, that literally means, and all of creation joined in. Remember, we had the mirrors and mirrors, probably every single angel in creation is being referred here. And now, along with the angelic, as well as the 24 elders, who are praising God and praising specifically the lamb, all of creation has now joined in. And that's what's going on in verse number 13. All right, all of creation. But notice something too. There is now an inclusion in that praise and worship scenario that's going on. Verse. Let's look at the end of what it says. To him who sits on the throne. So notice the idea. To him who sits on the throne, that's chapter four. That's God the Father. And now notice and to the lamb, that is Jesus, the Messiah, the one who has just taken the scroll from the hand of God. So we have both what? Father and the son. And watch what it says as the praises 
continue to envelop and fill all of creation itself concerning God the Father and God the Son. Be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. So the symphony of praise continues with blessing, honor, glory, and dominion to God. And we see the two persons of God, God the Father sitting on the throne, God the Son, the Lamb who takes the scroll from his hand, and the seven spirits of God, which are both before the throne of God and even in the Lamb himself. So there is the picture of the triune, the Trinity, our God, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. And they are all, they are, that one God is completely being surrounded by praise from all creation. And notice the four living creatures. I like what it says at the very end of it. What did they say to all of the glory and the praise that was continually being directed to God and the Lamb? They kept saying, Amen, Amen, and Amen. And the 24 elders who represent us, what did they do? They fell down and worshiped God the Father and the Lamb forevermore. All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on that one. Now, the next time we come here, we are now ready. Now that the Lamb, Jesus, has taken the scroll, remember, inside of the scrolls are the revelation for the things that will be taking place during the seven years of the tribulation. So now that Jesus has the scroll, we are preparing to enter into the tribulation period. And we'll start that with the events of chapter six. I'll catch you next time. Have you subscribed yet? What are you waiting for? Subscribe now.